Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope your weekend was good. And it's nice to be back here on Monday. I love Mondays. And I've got a great show. Patrick is going to be joining me in just a minute. And the Monday afternoon mix will continue. We're going to continue our uh, talk on the Sermon on the Mount with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. That's hour one. Beverly Canaris is going to join me in hour two, along with Dr. Greg Ten Elshoff. He's written a book called For Shame, Rediscovering the Virtues of a Maligned Emotion. Well, lots of interesting things to talk about today. Always glad to talk to Patrick to get things started. I must also announce that due to supply chain disruptions, my interview with Patrick uh, today will be from 24 minutes to 23 and a half minutes. Patrick, welcome. I'm going to miss that. Is that 30 seconds? 30 seconds, yep. Yeah, when we were, did you ever hear the term supply chain when you were a kid? Never was. <laughs> I don't think, I think it's, you know, there's so many links in the supply chain now. But, you know, back when, when you were a kid, of course, like you went to Joel's shoes. I think Joel it was like making the shoes in back. You know, <laughs> that was the whole supply chain. He's got a little cobbler's wheel. I don't know if it's a cobbler's wheel. I don't know how you cobble. I don't know how it works. <laughs> But Joel was probably like, oh, yeah, we got a size eight. Give me just a couple of minutes. And you'd hear this noise in the back. And you're thinking, Joel's making me a pair of shoes right now. He was never out of anything. (laughs) There was never a disruption in the supply chain when we were kids because there were no links in the supply chain. Joel was the chain. Now, this is interesting because I heard, and this is just so amusing to me, saying Christmas is at risk due to supply chain problems of course, will lead us to believe that you don't know the reason for Christmas. I, has anybody watched The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Cindy Lou Who is still out there singing with the rest of the Who's in Whoville. Yeah, that's true. The, the Grinch could not steal their Christmas. The Grinch right now is apparently the supply chain. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny. So I had sent you that, that meme. I, I did not uh, put that meme together. But I really thought it was very clever. It's like, you don't understand. Maybe you're not understanding what Christmas is about. And uh, I will describe the meme. It has the words at risk in in scare quotes, I guess. Yeah. You would call those scare quotes. And somebody jumped down my throat and said, you know, oh, look at you demeaning the meaning of Christmas because this whole thing about being at risk where, it's, you know, obviously to you, it's all about shopping and it's not about Christ. I said, no, no, no. The, my exact point was that it was about Christ. Did you get past the scare quotes? I realize scare quotes are much scarier than I thought. Yeah. I take them lightheartedly these days. <laughs> As you should. If somebody took them. I should. Yeah. And somebody speaking, took them seriously. And speaking of the Grinch yeah. and Cindy Lou Who, uh, speaking of... Who, uh, by the way, is no more than two. Exactly. Just so you know, exactly. Yes. Reminds yeah. me of Thelma Lou. Uh, Betty Lynn, who died over the weekend. She, of course, played yes. Thelma Lou on the Andy Griffith show. She died at 95. Yeah, or Thel. She likes the last of the Mayberry people, right? I think I think Ken Berry's still around. Uh, I think. How? The, none, none of the Ooh. Pyle family. The Piles are all gone, right? Yeah, they're gone, yeah. 
Yeah, I think yeah. I think they're all gone. I think Rosie's trying to. Oh yeah, Ron Howard. Of course, he's still around. Oh oh yeah yeah. yeah but he play, not, yeah. Uh, and Clint I guess Howard. Right. I think he had a cameo appearance on one show. I, I yes, I, you know, Clint Howard used to come into a restaurant I worked at, and uh, he was different. But I, <laughs> I stood. Uh, but he was very yeah nice. I stood behind him at Starbucks once in Santa Monica. Uh, he was ordering his drink, uh, his latte, and I was getting uh, mine. And I thought, I think that's Clint Howard ahead of me. Yeah, and it was. I, but it's it's not an uh, it's not a comfortable introduction because you realize that by pointing out the fact that you know who he is, it's because you know who his brother is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he's think, gentle maybe ben. I should come on, say gentle Ben. Yeah, I guess you watched Gentle Wasn't... Ben, didn't you? I didn't. Was it Grizzly Adams and Gentle Ben? Were these two shows about bears? I don't know. I'm we very confused. We didn't have any shows about bears anymore. Yeah. But yeah, the, so that's, uh, so Thelma Lou, and then of course, uh, Barney, I was realizing this, he would, you know, he just call her Thel, you know, he just couldn't get the ma, Thelma. <laughs> and he would call Andy, hey, Ange. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. You know, and then sometimes Andy wouldn't even call Barney by Barney. He would just say, look, Barn. What was it about about multi-syllabic words on the end of Griffith show? We just don't have time for that here no. in Mayberry. And it was a very busy Remember, metropolis. It was Ope. It wasn't Opie. It was Ope. It, it was Ope. And Aunt <laughs> B was just B. That, no time. Why, what, no time for yeah. words with more than one syllable. It's either that or the people who you know, probably back then had to type out the script said, you know what, just abbreviate it. And then the actors just read it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Says here, Ope. Well, that's that's short for Opie. Ah, I would just call him Ope. I'll call him Ope. And all yeah. this all this discussion brings me to a, a line, a great line by C.S. Lewis, who said he said a lot of good things, but he said this: yes. "Isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different." Yes, yes. Well, day by day, you don't notice that you're getting older. That's right. Until until somebody shows you that reunion photo. <laughs> And and you, <laughs> you, you know, I, now it kind of hit me too with the getting older thing. I think the thing that I I dislike most about getting older is that I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> that's so troubling. It is no, that's but anyway. C.S. Lewis always concise and to the point. Everything does change. You just don't really see it happening, I mean, with the occasional big hiccup in your life. But most of the time. You scratch your noggin and say, how did I get here? Yeah, I know. How did things get here? Oh. Lewis also said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. If you want a religion to make you uh, feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. <laughs> oh, my. You know, it's so true. And then doesn't that make you wonder about the permutations of Christianity that have happened through various denominations where they say, you know— Maybe we've been a little bit too harsh on this whole sinning thing. <laughs> oh. Maybe we should we should lighten up about the whole sinning thing uh, and say, yeah. you know, it's it's fine. Unfortunately, it's that's fine. a tragedy. It is a tragedy. Yeah. But uh, you say, well, you're if you're trying to make something palatable, but in order to do it, you have to. I'm going to say the word obfuscate. Oh, because big word. I could say the word hide. But that would make me sound less intelligent. That's true. So obfuscate the truth, then maybe it's not the right thing to do. Yeah, I agree. You, so you're so, looking up. Are you looking up obfuscate right now? Oh, you bet I am. <laughs> yeah. does, it, does it start with the letter O? It does. It does. <laughs> That's where I'm stuck it's, right now. 
Yeah, it's hidden in the dictionary, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of other smart things smart people have said, I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He said, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people. <laughs> well, they're the people you know the best, right? Yeah. It's, remember that, that familiarity breeds contempt, and it's just because those are the only people, you, you never get to live in anybody else's shoes. And uh, maybe overexposure to the ones we love, we just get nitpicky, and maybe we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. Although, uh, my neighbor, if they could just please collect their leaves this year from the oak tree, that would really be, <laughs> really be Because helpful. it's their tree, but they're depositing the leaves on your yard, right? Yeah, it just leans into my yard, and it's about four inches thick of leaves. And I, every year, I, I dutifully rake them up, and I put them in bags, which you have to pay for and, and pay to have them removed. And uh, But I, I cannot deny that I have this sinister thought that if I could just toss these right back over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would that be wrong? Yeah. I don't my know. Wife says it, my, it... my wife says that's wrong. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I go by what she says. Yeah. I think, she, I think she is correct. Okay. How about one more wise saying by C.S. Lewis? Because we're kind of on a good quote day. When the, world, yes. when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Yes. Yes. I like that one. I, I like that one, too. Uh, very similar to uh, if you can keep your head... When everyone around you is losing theirs, you'll be the tallest one in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe yeah. it has a similar meaning. It doesn't have a similar meaning. But, but uh, you know, isn't that funny that, yes, you're running in the opposite direction and people will say heretic. Um, usually. You know, yeah, something it, to that it, it can also apply to personal things, too, when you know someone who is in peril, um, I always think of the fireman approach where as everyone's running out of the building, the firemen are running in. And I've certainly known people who have been really in uh, trouble uh, that most people have abandoned them. And I think, well, the one thing you need to do right now is run towards them, which is not easy to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying I do it well. No, but I I think, and you point out a very uh, interesting, I think, phenomenon that's happening currently is by... um, the powers that be, whoever they may be, that seem to enjoy pitting person against person and believer against non-believer or whatever, they're trying to ensure that you don't rush in to help somebody. By stirring the pot and creating more of that anger and the dislike of the other or the other side or the people who don't think as you do, they're almost guaranteeing that you won't go to people for help. Mm. And people won't be offering it anyway because you, we've created this division between ourselves. And, the, yeah, the Christian thing to do is you have to set that aside. Yeah. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We can take a little break as we get our Monday started. So glad that you've decided to spend time with me today because I love spending time with you. And I know Patrick does, too. So we'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And 
my head. I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That theme song belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. So, Patrick, I don't know if I'd mentioned this to you or not, but my brother-in-law's truck was broken into over the weekend in Seattle. There was uh, lots of stuff stolen, glass shattered. So they called the Seattle Police Department, and they said they would text a report form, but they wouldn't come. Oh. Yeah. Because there's nothing they can do. Well, nothing they can do, and they don't have resources, and I think they've had a massive amount of uh, officers, I think upwards of 300 that have quit uh, in Seattle. So they're just a little on the short staff side. So does this make you think that you'll get more of this kind of behavior or less of it? Well, my inclination would be that it would produce more of this kind of behavior. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if you know, I, I realize that uh, this doesn't apply to you and me, but there, there might be people out there who the only thing that keeps them from doing bad things is the fear of getting caught, right? Right. <laughs> and if, if, you, if you remove that and say, you're not going to get caught because nobody's going to look into it. Do you do you push some people over the edge and they say, well, this is getting kind of easy. Why uh, why not just do this? Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's sad. It's sad that, uh, you know, police officers are unable to uh, take care of us. I, I don't think that, you know, when I see it's not just the defund the police, but when I've seen people say if we abolish the police and we abolish the prisons, you know, they say that that's the problem. And I think so all the criminal behavior will just stop if we say, oh, gosh, well, there you go. The only reason I was doing it is for the opportunity to get put in jail. I don't know. Um, I, I, we're sinful people, you know, and, and unfortunately, I think we're always going to have some level of criminal activity. And uh, I think that's why we've agreed that uh, we try to police that. Uh, yeah, well, I think of the commandment that says thou shalt not steal um that's number eight yeah i don't know why we don't talk about that more often i mean i know that there was like five walgreens that closed in the san francisco area but it's not a felony unless you take over 950 dollars worth of merchandise so when they when when yeah. the burglars go into some of these stores in broad daylight they take calculators to make sure they don't go over their limit right right it sounds, yeah, it sounds comical just... like i'm making that up but i'm not no, and Rosie's you know, looking I, at me I, like you're, you've made that up. No, no, it's. I think it is a felony if you uh, rob without wearing a mask. I think in San Francisco <laughs> you have to wear a, you have to wear a mask when you're robbing. Yes. No, it, it, it's absolutely true that they, the thing about closing the Walgreens because the losses just were too great, mm -hmm. and you know people could come in and they would do, I guess repeat visits and you, you take enough stuff and it's not like somebody stealing food to eat. It's not Jean Valjean and Play Miserables saying, I, I got to eat. I'm pretty hungry. You know, I don't think you can eat deodorant sticks. Um, but uh, so people are sell, are stealing things that they can sell. Right. Uh, and then that's about the money. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you end up with a... So I, I lived in Los Angeles when we had the riots and a lot of businesses uh, were burned down. And when those businesses, some of them said, well, when I went to try to reopen, the insurance company said, we, the cost for insuring your business will be too great. Uh, you're, you know, your prices are going to have to go through the roof because 
you know, once you've been burned down, people kind of look at that area and say, could that happen again here? So some business owners decided to move elsewhere and open their business because they didn't want to go through that again. And then the people accused them of abandoning a community. Uh, so it's it's a lose-lose deal all the way around. It's it's very sad, but I, I can't fault the business owners for saying, I'm just trying to run a profitable business. Something bad happened somewhere else. They burned down my business, and now I'm just trying to put food on my table. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I, I don't there obviously there are no easy solutions to these kind of things, but I I don't think burning down businesses or looting is an answer. No, never has been, never will be. Now, your no. hometown, in addition to losing to the Packers yesterday, um, yes, have quite handily, by the way. Quite I was handily, really yeah. impressed with how how gracefully they handed over <laughs> any chance at winning. <laughs> yeah. But there's um, uh Quite a, a conflict uh, arising right now with the police department there. There's about 3,200 um, uh, city people, uh, c- city officers and police officers who are going to uh, going up against the mandate. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's interesting. That gives you an idea of how many police officers it takes just to uh, try to take care of a city the size of Chicago. Right. You go, if, well, 3,200, I mean, what percentage are vaccinated? And these are the ones that are saying, I'm not going to do it. And the mayor said, well, you're going to get lose your job. And they said, so be it. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens? It's, if, what happens if, I mean, it's a game of chicken right now, isn't it? I think it is. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's a part of me that wonders if 3,200 officers sat down and said, you know, um, if we are all fired, they're going to be in big trouble right here in, in, in River City or the capital. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's from the music man. But there'll, there'll be some problems. And uh, I think, uh, was it Delta Airlines kind of went back on the mandate for the pilots and said, you know what, we take it back because they realized that even losing 10% of their staff would put them in such a precarious position to run a profitable business. They said, oh, these people actually uh, hold the cards Mm -hmm. uh, uh, here. So, yeah, I think it does become a game of chicken. Very interesting to see how it plays out. And if the police officers prevail and they remove the mandate, will that make more people in other places say, well, then that's what we're going to do? Be very interesting to see how it Uh, plays out. It will be interesting. So, Patrick, I think I ran this uh, by you recently, but I was curious, you know, when I hear the expression um, memories that are burned into your memory, you know, what what memories do you have that are burned into your memory? Uh, You know, they often talk about uh, 9-11 or, um, you know, the birth of your child. But when you you think of uh, something that's burned into your memory... I gave you some time to think about it. Then I said, after you had come up with one, I said, is the memory positive or negative? And for you, it was negative. It, it was negative. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's what you, maybe I thought that's what you're looking for. No, um, I mean, of course, I have a lot of positive memories. I get the, the birth of, course, of the children. Of course, of course uh, you do. But um, my, my I, curiosity is when one comes into your head that you, that you call burned into your memory, I'm just curious if it's negative or positive? I think, and the one I shared with you was uh, the, uh, when my father died and yeah. I was just a kid. That was and, horrible. And 
it was horrible. And, you know, I knew the minute I got the phone call that, that something had happened, you know, I'm 13, I walk in the door and I see him and I know, Mm. and I think there's just so much pain associated with it. And here it is 47 years later. And the, the, not only is the pain as fresh as it ever was, uh, there are moments, because I see my kids as they approach those ages, I say, this is what I was robbed of. Uh, this mm-hmm. is what I didn't get. Yeah. These are, the, these are the, the memories that I never got to create with my dad. So I think that's maybe why that one was so strong. And it is a negative memory. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, of course, I, my kids uh, get to be there when they were born. And, um, you know, I won money on a game show. I mean, that was pretty cool. You, you know? won $15,000 in 60 seconds. Yes, on Super Password. On Super Password. I watched I you did. win that. I mean, not live. I watched it on tape. Yes. And I thought you did yes. a fine job. I did. Well, I got, you know, they said to me, look, you got 60 seconds to get 10 words. And I knocked those guys out in 47 seconds. And Bert Convy <laughs> said, great job. And I think he asked me, you know, what I'd like to do next. I said, I think I still could get more words. <laughs> if there's more money at stake, I got 13 seconds. Come on, give me some more clues. That's, that's a nice uh, payday or pay minute, I should say. Well, and, you know, I had moved to California. Uh, and within the first couple of months, I thought it'd be easy to find a job. I could not find a job. And somebody that I knew there suggested I tried for a game show. I was flat broke, had no idea what to do, tried out for a game show, got on and won a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, uh, back then is a, was a lot of money. I mean, I would, it, I still call that a lot of money today. No, yeah, I would yeah. too. I would too. Yeah, I mean, all told, I uh, I think I won I went seventeen thousand two hundred dollars, uh, and uh, you know, it came when I was penniless. Yeah, you know, that's I a mean, great I was story. living I was living off of a Shell gas station credit card. <laughs> Were you it was buying the only one I could get? You were buying food in the Shell in the Shell gas station. That's it, it, the only place I could uh, buy food. It's the only place I could buy anything. I could buy gas, and it's like I guess I'll have one of those tuna sandwiches, <laughs> or whatever you whatever you call it. And I could get milk and things there. And so I was, uh, I, you know, I, I was surprised they even gave me the credit card. I thought this was a mistake. <laughs> you know, that was back when they had hubcaps on the wall. Oh. Remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's how you knew a road was bad by all the hubcaps on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. that, that story always makes me smile. I have to tell you. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've seen, I've watched you win that more than once. Um, for anyone who really wants to go see it, they could probably Google it, can't they? I think I put up a, a YouTube video. You don't have to watch all of, you know, the four days I was on the show to try and win this money. But you can yeah. just, I think, see the 60 seconds where yeah. I guess the words. But and, it's and, hard to believe it's me because yeah. I was and, young. And next uh, time we meet, we'll talk about the mustache story. I think that's a part of that that story. Yes. All right. The mustache Have a great story. day, Patrick. Thanks, you too. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest, of course, just to get things started. Take a little break, and we'll come back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles, also known as PDM, and Rosie B. And all next.
the Monday afternoon mix. It is time for the Monday, Monday, Monday afternoon mix. Pastor mix. David Miles, PDM, and Rosie B. That's the team. What We're, is up? We are everybody? ready to go. We're continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 5. We're moving on to verses 38 through 42. It's going to be a good time, David. Rosie? It's a good... We haven't done this for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's fun to bring it back up. diverted, yeah. It is. May I read? You may read. Thank you. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person... If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That's the word of the Lord. Yeah, that's... uh... That's really a wonderful passage. And one of the things is that we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and this has been an extreme time of looking at what Jesus had to say about various things. So you had all these different sayings that people had, and the Lord reframes it. And he's talking about the kingdom in the Old Testament. And uh, we, we start off in 522 with regards to murder. And the basic concept was the law said, do not murder. But Jesus said that hating someone is the same as murder. Uh, adultery. He said, don't commit adultery. But Jesus broadened the concept that said, you know, looking at a person with lust is the same as adultery. Divorce. He said, a man cannot, uh, can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce was the basic concept. But Jesus says it was unlawful uh, for divorce and remarriage is the same as adultery. And then last time we talked about the basic concept of oaths. You must carry out your vows. And Jesus said, don't make any vows. Just simply be yes or no. And so today, we're going to talk about retaliation. Hmm. And, and the basic concept the law says is Bill read, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus broadens the concept to say, turn the other cheek and, do, and to do more than is demanded. This whole thing about retaliation literally had me thinking on the way, <laughs> <laughs> on the way over. I don't know if it's just me, guys, but does it not seem like... Uh, driving on the road has taken on like new levels of in like hospitality. Hospitality? Know? In hospitality. Oh, in hospitality, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was I was driving and I was kinda like, you know, my goodness, like, you know, what what in the world's going on here? Um, just over to the studio and this this uh yesterday, Tammy and I were driving up to see DJ play football up at St. John's and this person came through and you know, it was like a possibility of like a mass like accident. And yeah. it's just, it's been really wild. And if we don't, it, if we don't check ourselves, it can lead to, you know, really drastic consequences. Um, I came across like an old story of a, a writer from the Chicago Tribune named Eric Zorn. And, and he talked about a family that was driving on the Northwest Tollway. And there was a person who came and was just road rage and, and just driving all up on the person, pulled up around this family, swerved, cut him off, and the man ran up and chased the guy, and they were, you know, speaking words back and forth. And the one man who had actually just been released from jail fired his gun at it. It went through the window. It went through the left ear of this man's daughter and out the right ear. Um, but, you know, what ended up happening is the, 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 the young girl didn't die but she was left blind in one eye 
half blind in the other, partially deaf, and then suffered severe mental and physical disabilities. The Mm -hmm. man ended up back in jail, but the parents ended up living with, you know, the regret. And this road rage thing has people retaliating on one another. It's like, oh, you cut me off. I'm going to cut you off. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's very interesting kind of what's going on in the world. And this whole idea of of retaliation and revenge is, is actually a lot bigger in our culture than we realize. Well, doesn't it come from, I mean, when I think of somebody retaliating, like you cut me off, I have to cut you off. It, it seems like the roots got to be that they don't feel like they have enough. They don't feel heard. They don't feel seen. They've been taken advantage of and it's all boiling. I mean, would you say that that's true? That, you know, what? It, where's that need for retaliation come from? Like to one up each you know, if you've done this to me, I'm going to do it to you. Well, I don't know. I think, like, you, you might be onto something, Rosie. You're just there's so much happening in life where people maybe feel a sense or think a sense of, of feeling defeated and kind of like one other person stepping on them or violating them or pushing them. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Um I know there's been moments like when driving and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, dude, like what in the world? And it's like, I have to like check myself so that what comes out of my mouth is praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now, (laughs) to be real, there's moments where it's like, you know, especially when someone's endangering you and your family, it's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't know, Bill, what do you think to Rosie's very good question? Well, I'm... I think it's a good, I think she makes a good point. I think, you know, Rosie's smart. She always makes good points. (laughs) I don't know if I have a a good point or I'm curious because the, the Christ in me wants to respond well Uh, and, and in goodness and kindness. And in order to do that, you have to have a certain level of empathy that has to go before your response. And so I, in order to be, to respond well, I feel like sometimes I have to understand where it's coming from. Do people not feel seen in our world today? Yes. Is that yes. what it is? Yes. You know, they don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. So is, is that yes. more of a victim mentality? So we don't know our identity. I, I'm just talking out loud. Keep going, Rosie. <laughs> I don't have any answers. <laughs> I, well, I think you're, you're hitting upon some things. I mean, you know, people, we feel, you know, unseen. We feel invisible and You know, some of the things, you know, we used to talk about, uh, I might be dating myself about people's 15 minutes of fame, Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of more like our 15 seconds, you know, of fame, um, where people are like, you know, do you see me? You know, do you care? Um, But this this is, you know, definitely a very real thing. And I mean, there's, we have a history of, of movies that deal with revenge, you know, um, TV shows. I think there was one called Vias for Vendetta or something mm-hmm. like that. And so there's this desire for people to exact revenge for a harm that they felt done to them. And Jesus is <clears throat> taking what the Pharisees and the scribes were saying in terms of this eye for an eye principle and applied it to everyday personal relationships. They were basically saying that you can seek personal revenge. And Jesus comes up and says, "Eh, uh-uh, no, not going to work. Well, what's happened here is that Jesus is actually citing the oldest law in the world, an eye for an eye and a tooth for their tooth. Uh, the law was actually known as the Lex Talononis, mm-hmm. 
and it may be best described as a tit for a tat. Um, it appeared in the earliest uh, code of laws, the Code of Hammurabi, and that was in Babylon from about 2285 to 2242. Mm. And the principle was really clear. If a man has inflicted an injury on any person, an equivalent injury shall be inflicted upon him. And we see this in three places in the Old Testament, Exodus 21, 35, or 23. It says, if any harm follows, you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Leviticus 24, when a man causes a disfigurement in his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he's disfigured a man, he shall be disfigured. And Deuteronomy 19, 21, your eye shall not pity, it shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And one of the things, guys, is that th- these these laws are often quoted as some of the most bloody, thirsty, savage, and merciful laws of the Old Testament. And uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, Dr. William Barclay, had noted before we begin to criticize, a couple things need to be noted. First, this law, the Lex Talionis, uh, tit for tat, was in fact the beginning of mercy. And it was saying that there was a limitation of, of uh, vengeance, you know, because in the early days there was vendetta and blood feuds. Oh, I never even thought of it that way. The Hatfields and the McCoys. Right. You know, which was wild for me because I pastored in a church <laughs> and I had a member of the Hatfield family and a member of the McCoy family. Oh, the real deal. Like the real deal. So oh. like, you know, back in the day, like in Minnesota, I could do an illustration and say like the Vikings and the Packers and <laughs> the Hatfields and the McCoys. And then it was like, wait a minute, I got two members of the family. And that's uh, crazy. And the beauty of the gospel is that they both served on worship team and, and served with one another. And the beauty of the gospel through their voices and ministry was profound, mm-hmm. you know. But there were these vendettas where people just kind of like mafia. They, you know, you whack me, I'm going to whack you and, and then some. And this is, is saying that um, if an injury happened, there was a limitation, um, you know, to this. And uh, Barclay says that the law... This was a, never a law that gave a private individual the right to exact vengeance. It was also a law that was laid down on how a judge and a law court must assess punishment and penalty. You know, it was never intended to give the individual person the right to indulge even in the vengeance of tit for tat, but more so a guide of assessing the penalty which any violent or unjust deed um, must be received, you know. And, and many of our laws in, in our nation have an undergirding of, of a Judeo-Christian um, principle to it. So, As far as the law of an eye for an eye, that was never really followed literally. There is no biblical account of that, is there? I don't think there is. I don't know. I don't know about an eye for an eye, but I've been in Second Samuel, and boy, there is a lot of, you killed this person, and therefore we are now going to kill you. I mean, there is a lot of that. I had trouble in Second Samuel, I have to admit, for this very topic because I there's just so much violence before Christ came to change our way and to act and respond differently. Yeah, and A.T. Robinson notes that like a money payment was allowed in the Mishnah, but actually the law of retaliation exists in Arabia still to this day. Okay. You know, so this idea, but to your exact, uh, you know, question, Bill, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if we do an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it leaves everyone blind and toothless. 
which makes it hard to eat barbecue. I know. This is true. Or see who you are going towards, right? right. Barbecue in a blender. Oh. <laughs> that sounds terrible, doesn't it? That does. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think, um, you know, even in speaking to this, you know, there's this idea embedded in this of an understanding of even like, you know, justice in a weird way, like righting wrongs, that it's not just, everything's not just like kosher um, for, in our world today, for someone to murder someone and just, you know, when when the person gets off, it's like that's a miscarry of justice, people would believe, and mm-hmm. saying that, you know, that's, that's not um, the way to go. And so instead of this, Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil, uh, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. And my understanding of eye for an eye was, was always a guiding principle for judges and lawgivers. It wasn't, wasn't meant to be, you know, some kind of response, some personal response where there's going to be an eye gouged out or a, or a tooth knocked out. Yeah, and that's kind of earlier what we were saying, like with um, New Testament uh, commentator, um, William Barclay saying that it wasn't meant to just be right. kind of an individual thing because in some ways we could find our way back to chapter five, verse 21 on the whole issue of anger, um, you know, and how anger that, that, that term in our body, that our limbic system gets switched mm-hmm. and people just go, Wah! and then when they calm down, they're like, I don't know what I was thinking. And it's kind of like you weren't, you know, mm-hmm. And so, in essence, it can a person can go overboard, you know. We see this with kids. Like, sometimes, like, one child hits one, and it's not like the other one just comes back and says, well, let me give you a measured hit. The other right. one is like, dude, you know, you start cueing LL Cool J, mama said, knock you out, you know. And, <laughs> and the truth is, mama didn't say, you know, knock you out. And so... You know, so that's that's an important and actually on that note, you know, the importance of parents. And last week we had Joan Ludberg on and um, we were talking about the upcoming Legacy Grandparenting Summit, uh, LegacyCoalition.com. It's it's helping grandparents be intentionally involved. There'll be one in, here in the Twizy, but it's simulcast throughout the nation. So go to the website and see uh, if there's a church or location nearby that you can jump into it. Also, if you want to, you can watch the live stream after as well, because grandparents, your perspective and being able to speak into the life of your grandchildren and give them wisdom in this harried age of angered and out of control revenge uh, can be a lifesaver. Well, right, take a little break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles, PDM, Rosie B. We'll take a very short break and be right back.
afternoon mix is going on right now. Pastor David Miles, PDM, Rosie B. We're talking about Sermon on the Mount. We're back in Chapter 5. A little bit on eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, retaliation. Yeah, and I guess like in mind here was making the punishment fit the crime. And so it was like seeking to limit um, vengeance and really help the court administrate punishment that was neither too strict nor too lenient uh, for the person. Um, you know, because our our perception of of, of offense um, can be can be off, as well as our 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 um, our perception of our moves towards people. We had Dr. Ed Uzinski on our show, and he works with Family Life Ministries. And they would often say about how marriage, people would look at marriage and they'd say, it's a 50-50 thing. And they'd say, yeah, but people are myopic. And so what happens is one person is looking at and they're thinking, I'm going 60%, but they're only going 40. And the other person's thinking, I'm going 60%, and they're only going 40. And there's this 20% gap. And each of them are waiting for the other one to step in. And uh, I think the beauty of of the gospel, um, it brings us to passages like, you know, Ephesians uh, 4.32, where God tells us to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you, you know. And so uh, if anyone had a right to retaliate on on us as not just merely having idiosyncrasies, but truly being fist-raised usurpers of a holy and perfect God, that that's mankind, you know, and and... God didn't do eye for eye and tooth for tooth. God demonstrates his love for us, and while we were at sinners, he gave his son. You know, that's... That's beyond grace. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's a grace that I can't comprehend in my human form, that sort of grace and that love that supersedes any knee-jerk reaction and all reasons, right? Because, you know, usually people respond in grudge or in vengeance because there's some seed that something's taken place where they may, someone may have taken offense or there might be something that was not forgiven. And Jesus had, God had every right to take that position on how he treated his son. Yeah. Right? And so he demonstrates by his own act of sacrifice and grace and forgiveness and mercy how we are. And that's what's, that's the call of the Christian. And it's so difficult because typically there is a seed that makes you want to go, oh, I'm just going to just take your eye out you know, or whatever, because you're so angry or you're frustrated or you, there's been an offense that's real. And so only by Christ's strength in us can we, can we lay it down, I think. Yeah, and I think there, that, like you said, there's this part of us that wants to, like when it when it's when it's us that's done the offense, we're wanting mercy. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's another person who's done it, we're like, we want the law, <laughs> you know, and we're we're wanting the law really really harsh. I know, like what Dr. Uh, Neely Fuller and Dr. Francis Cresswell seen, you know, they were once having a conversation and they were discussing issues of, you know, race and ethnicity, and they asked the question to people like. You know, what is it among dominant culture people that you fear most? You know, because like, you know, do you want to see this kind of a dishonoring of image bearers and racism end on a large scale? And the, and people were like, well, yes. So what do you fear about it? And after asking, the people said, we're afraid that people of color or even like, like African-American people, that they would do unto us 
what we've done unto them. Mm. You know, and I asked this question in my class and asked it in our training and people, you know, they came out and they said, yeah, we're afraid of retaliation of another group of people. Now, with that statement, there's a couple of interesting things. Number one, it answers the question that people actually know what's going on. So when people are like, I don't understand what's going on, like with issues of race. Well, there's a fear that if it's flipped, there'd be retaliation. So number one, we do know what's going on. So mm-hmm. we know that there's, there's a sense. Uh, number two is, you know, the idea that um, in some, it, it actually answers this question. It actually answers the question and says, we don't believe all lives matter because there's a fear that if things are reversed, what's going to happen? And third, and more disconcerting is the idea that because we were concerned that if things were reversed, there'd be an injustice, and there's a concern that if it did, that all lives don't matter, it's actually that we're okay in some ways with the current injustice as long as it doesn't happen to us. Hmm. You know, and and this is like a real like fear thing because it's the fear that our nation is changing the ways. And if we're not in control to make the decisions, what are people going to do with us? And that's 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 kind of a a frightening thing for people. But that doesn't like mean that that's going to be the action to the person, because like for me as a person of color, I'm not wanting to inflict any revenge upon anyone. You know, I'm wanting them to know the amazing love of Christ and allow them to live as you know, honored image bearers that God sent his son to die for and to walk in the fullness of God's life and giving full glory to him the way that scripture says. And so I, I think it's, you know, um, it's important for us to, again, rest in the gospel and rest in, the, in that power as we deal with the realities of the world that we, we live in. And to have God help us in that emotive moment for the person right now who's driving and that person just cuts you off and your blood, you know, right now wants to boil. And I guess, guys, we have to be, we have to be honest just about that. Like, mm-hmm. how about I, I start us off? There are times when people have cut me off or they're driving crazy and it's angering. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, you know... I, I was driving Alexandria the other day to do to speak at a retreat, and this gentleman, like, I merged on, and like he came running up on me on the, and I mean, like he literally endangered my life. And I put my hands up. I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing, man?" And it was like for me, my blood was boiling because I'm just like, "Dude, what in the world?" Like we're traveling down the interstate at this speed, and you're about to cause a massive accident and I had to calm down and and pray for that person and for myself and call Tammy and say babe (laughs) you're not gonna believe what just happened so but we have the opportunity in the gospel to not escalate the situation you know to not take it to that next level as Rosie was saying because we know our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And and it's an act of choice, though. I mean, because you were saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you just raised your hands. I, I raised my voice and everything else. Because to me, when that's happened, it feels very selfish. It feels very irresponsible. And, and at what cost? Probably not to that person, but to anybody else that they may hurt or hit or all those things. So there's there, it feels 
like there's an injustice in them believing that they can take that time or go that fast or not mm-hmm. follow the laws. I mean, we all would like to go that fast. Maybe all my tickets have said that, <laughs> but, um, but to restrain yourself because for the betterment of other people, it's hard. It's a hard thing. And and even for, you know, the peace of God in our soul. I mean, like Paul would say, I try to live with a clear conscience before God and man. You know, the early illustration of that family uh, on the toll road who got into a, 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 you know, road rage and gun event with this person and their daughter was permanently altered by that. You know, and the same can happen for us. And, you know, guys, I think this is actually timely of the Lord to bring this subject up about retaliation because we're about to head into the holidays. And as a good friend of mine, um, who's a police captain and head of the SWAT in the town I used to live in, he would say, Dave, the happy holidays, they're not always that happy because our calls go substantially up. And, um, you know, I think... This is an area that if God's talking with you on this as you're listening and driving, you know, to listen and to do work on that. David, thank you so much. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B. That wraps up the Monday afternoon mix. We'll take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue with uh, Beverly Canaris, The Mind of Christ. It's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.